Hello, and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I am your host, Emmy Cardinale. This is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching and rewatching once a week. So this episode is going to be a deep dive episode by episode breakdown of Ginny and Georgia season two. This is going to be long, probably. And I still have to edit it and it's like 11 p.m. on a Thursday. So I'm going to get straight into it. I don't have any updates except that next week's episode will be with my friends and there will likely be a video version up on my YouTube channel. If you like this episode or any other episodes from me, please make sure to follow me wherever you listen to your podcasts, rate and review, share this with a friend, etc., etc. It means a lot. This is big passion project and I did spend quite a bit of time just for the prep of this episode. I rewatched all of Ginny and Georgia season two and took detailed notes. Yeah, and I anticipate this episode being long, so it's going to take me longer to edit as well. So please, if um, you like it, please make sure to share it, all of that. Thank you very much for tuning in. Okay, so Ginny and Georgia season one ended with Ginny running away after she found out that her mom was a murderer. (laughs) Um, Georgia murdered... I did an episode on Ginny and Georgia season one where I gave my overall thoughts if you want to listen to that first. But yeah, that's the basic overview. Georgia was a young mom. She kind of had a lot of secrets that she kept from Ginny, and that was a big conflict. And anyways, Ginny runs away at the end of of season one. So season two, episode one is called Welcome Back, Bitches. Ginny, the episode starts with Ginny having a nightmare. Um, We don't know it's a nightmare at first, but... um, like Georgia walks into Ginny's room, Ginny's reading a book, and then Georgia like like smothers her with a pillow, and Ginny wakes up like freaking out because she feels like she feels like she can't breathe. Ginny and we find out that Ginny and Austin, because Austin, her younger brother, did come with her when she ran away. We find out we find out Ginny and Austin are living with Zion, Ginny's dad, in Boston because he moved close to them um initially so he could be with Georgia but then that didn't end up working out but he's in Boston so that's where they are it's Thanksgiving we see Max and Marcus's family Marcus is clearly miserable he asks Max about Ginny Max is like I don't know where she is nor do I care Max is not happy with Ginny Ginny has missed over a week of school so Marcus is concerned. Georgia misses Ginny and Austin. Paul thinks it's about him, and he's like, she, they ran away because of me. It's not about him, but how? But Paul doesn't know, and Georgia can't be like, no, actually, it's because uh, my daughter's mad at me because she found out I murdered my ex-husband, and my son is mad at me because I wasn't mailing the letters he wrote to his dad in prison. You know, how can how can she say that. Maybe the the letters part. I don't know if Paul knows. I can't remember if Paul knows that. Anyways, Paul's like, this is about me and the engagement. It's like, get over yourself, Paul. It's not about you. But you know, how, how would he know? We see a flashback of Georgia having to work on Thanksgiving and Ginny being upset. So she creates something called Fry Gay, where they fry all of the food because all of the food is half off the day after Thanksgiving. Um, that Friday, so it's a it's like the beginning of a tradition called Fry Yay. Ginny 
is very freaked out about Kenny. She's like super anxious. She's like uncomfortable. Like Ginny is just anxious this episode. Austin thinks Georgia doesn't care about them running away because she hasn't really reached out. Cynthia, who it was kind of Georgia's arc nemesis at the end of at the, during season one, her husband is dying. We find out that her husband is dying. Um, and there's a very funny line where Georgia's like, she looks horrible. And somebody's like, how would you look if your husband was dying? And she said, I looked great. <laughs> there is tension between Georgia and Joe because Joe found out at the end of season one that she kept these sunglasses that he gave to her when they met as kids like years ago. He hadn't put it together that that was like the Georgia he met when he was like 15 at a rest stop and he gave her these sunglasses and he found out that she kept the sunglasses the entire time and that they changed her life. So he puts it all together and he's like, she came to Wellsbury and he finds out she's engaged and he's like, but her, because what is he going to do? Tell her that he likes her. And so anyway, he's like all tense. She orders a pumpkin pie and then Cynthia comes in and he's like, give Cynthia everything and the last slice of pumpkin pie, and George is like, that's kind of odd, but, you know, Cynthia's husband is dying, so, like, you can manage without pumpkin pie. Jenny's grandparent um, come over to Zion's for Thanksgiving. Zion's family is, like, shady about Georgia and, like, not very nice about her, but then when Jenny makes a comment of, like, I don't want her either, Zion's mom is like, that's your mother. Be mindful. Like, what do you mean? You're the one shit talking her first. Like, I'm sorry. If you're gonna, if you want to teach a child respect, you need to also be speaking about that person with respect. And I feel like there are ways to acknowledge Georgia's blind spots in raising Ginny that aren't so like directly shady or like, I don't know. I don't love the way they talk about Georgia and then get mad at Ginny for having beef with Georgia. It's weird to me. Georgia is having Thanksgiving at Paul's, um, like with Paul's parents. They are like not nice about Georgia. Ginny is still self-harming. We see her self-harm at Zion's place. Georgia and Zion talk on the phone and there's a very sad moment where Georgia's like, they ran away, like I ran away and that broke my heart. And Zion's like, they didn't run away like you ran away because it makes sense that that would be like a big trigger for Georgia because she literally ran away at 15 because she came from an abusive household. And it must hurt to have these kids who she has done everything for run away from her. And she feels like a monster. Like, I understand why that's so hard for her. Austin still wants to do Friday, so... It's on. Georgia's like, oh my God, yeah, we'll do it then. Jenny really doesn't want to do it. And Zion's like, she'll care, you know? And Jenny's like, Georgia is going to smile and pretend like nothing happened. And then Georgia literally says to Paul, it's like the scenes are intercut with each other. Georgia is talking to Paul about how she is just going to pretend like everything's fine. And it's so funny because Jenny, like, is spot on with Georgia's approach to conflict and to this issue. She's like going to pretend none of it is happening because she doesn't want to give Ginny the satisfaction of a reaction, which is just not a healthy communication method. 
Paul wants to give them space, so he's like, maybe I shouldn't go to Friday because he thinks the whole thing is about him. Zion also thinks it's about Paul. And what is Ginny going to be like? No, I'm, sh- I'm shaken to my core because I found out my mother killed somebody. No, she can't say that. <laughs> What's she going to do? Ginny starts having a panic attack and Zion knows what to do because, Gin- because Georgia used to have them. Ginny confides in Zion about self-harming. Um, I've seen people say that she's manipulative in this scene. And the thing is, I do think that she is somewhat manipulative, but I don't think it's like a conscious thing where she is like trying to manipulate him to get what she wants. I think sometimes when you're struggling and you're really in it and you're a teenager who's really in it, you, you can, everybody can be a little bit manipulative sometimes. Some like that doesn't inherently mean that you're doing it like maliciously or consciously to like, you know. So I just, I think a lot of Ginny's like poor behavior is just her not knowing how to manage her pain. But anyways, Ginny begs Zion not to tell Georgia about the self-harming. He says that she can live with him and he wants to get her help. He's going to get her therapy. Then we see Friday. Ginny brings Marcus's bike back. Um, He's not mad at her. Austin and Georgia make up. Austin's not mad at Georgia anymore. Zion stays for Friday. Ellen is still mad at Georgia about everything that happened in season one. Ellen is Marcus's mom. Um, Her and Georgia are friends, but she got mad at her because she found out that Georgia knew that Marcus and Ginny were having sex and didn't tell Ellen. And Ellen's like, I thought we were friends. So she's still mad about it. She had no idea that Ginny took Marcus's bike. So she's mad about that. She goes to Georgia. They're still beefing. Max is still mad at Abby. She and Nora are, are icing Abby out. Abby comes over to like give... They have like a tr- they have a tradition of the Friday after Thanksgiving something I, I don't remember what the tradition was and they're like why are you here we don't like you they're very mean to Abby um, Abby leaves Max's house which is across the street from Ginny's house all upset and Georgia's like what's going on with her and Ginny is like her parents are getting a divorce she's actually in therapy. And George is like, therapy is not good for anything. So then Ginny and Zion like lock eyes and Ginny is kind of like, see, like it's implied that she's like, see, this is why you can't tell mom. Like she doesn't believe in therapy. She's not going to help me. Zion doesn't end up telling Georgia about this self-harm. Georgia won't let Ginny move in with Zion and he wants to tell Georgia about it. And Ginny pleads with him. She's like, I, I, she's like, no, no, it doesn't. I'll, I'll move in with mom. Just don't tell her. I'll move in with mom. Don't tell her. So he doesn't end up telling her. We see a flashback um, to election night. We have a flashback to election night when Georgia came home to find that Austin and Ginny were gone and the wolfsbane, which is what she used to poison her, her ex-husband, um, is in the fireplace. So it's implied that Ginny knows now she's really upset about it. The private investigator who told Ginny about the whole poison thing is still looking into Gin- into Georgia. He's there the whole season looking into her, and I find him insufferable. Zion books a therapy appointment for her. Marcus climbs through Ginny's window. Um, they're good again. Everything's forgiven from before she ran away. He says, I don't know anything. He says, I don't know a lot. I don't know anything, but you make sense to me. And I think they're cute. He stays the night. She's like, would you stay the night? And he stays the night. I think they're cute. I like Ginny and Austin, Ginny and Marcus. I've said this. I said it in my episode, my 
episode about season one. I like Ginny and Marcus. The episode ends with a flashback of Ginny and Georgia listening to really loud music. Um, like young Ginny and Georgia listening to really loud music and somebody's pounding at the door and we don't know what's happening yet. We just know that somebody's pounding on the door and they're blasting music or Georgia specifically is blasting the music to blare out the knocking, the pounding on the door. It's not actually a flashback. Georgia wakes up and she's having a nightmare just like Ginny did at the beginning of the episode. So that's the end of episode one. My main thoughts for episode one were I don't really love starting at Thanksgiving. I feel like it's a weird place in the year to start And I know that they ran away like probably November. So they need, I just, I don't, I don't love, if they weren't going to start right when Ginny, when Georgia came home to find Ginny and Austin were gone, like why did it start in Thanksgiving? Felt kind of like a mid-season premiere would, would be back, you know, when seasons weren't just 10 episodes. Episode two is called, why does everything have to be so terrible all the time forever? Marcus slept over at Ginny's house. Ginny doesn't want to go back to school. She thinks everyone hates her. Um, she's not totally wrong. Max hates her and Nora's on Max's side. She has her first therapy session today. Um, Georgia made spa- space for Paul in the closet so he can move in. He's hesitant because, again, he still thinks that Ginny ran away because of him. And he's like, isn't that kind of soon? Um, Georgia tells Ginny herself when they're in the bathroom about Paul moving in, kind of like in a, in a, like if Ginny's being cold to her. So like she angrily is like, Paul's moving in and Paul overhears and he's like upset because Georgia had just told him like two seconds ago that when like they decided that he was going to move in, that they would sit down and have a conversation together, like as a team. So he's like so much for doing it as a team. And Paul's mad at Georgia now. Ginny doesn't want a note for school. Georgia's like writing Austin a note, note about him having the flu. And she's like, do you want one? And Ginny's like, no, she doesn't want a note. Um, she doesn't want anything from Georgia. She want, Yeah, she wants nothing from Georgia. Georgia tries to break the news. Georgia is like trying to break the news to Austin about Paul moving in. And he already knows. He's a very observant, smart kid. And he says something. Um, he says, if you break up, we'll just move again. And to me, it was really sad that that's how he views things in that way. Like that he's so young and he views things as temporary and like he's gotten accustomed to like, if something goes wrong, we'll just leave. Or like, this isn't permanent. And um, he and Ginny both clearly do not have that sense of stability. And that's sad to me, especially to have that perception and thought so young. That's very relatable to me as somebody who used to move every two years. And obviously not for the reason that like, Georgia was consistently on the run. Um, But it does really mess with your sense of permanence and stability and all of that. So that made me really sad. Cynthia's a mess because her husband is dying. I don't really care about Cynthia. Sorry. The winter musical auditions are happening and Max is a mess. She's like worried about not getting the part. And the school paper gave the last musical a bad review. They called it a ripoff of Chicago. And the new musical is called Wellington. So it's a ripoff of Bridgerton, but they're like, nobody can call it a ripoff this time. It's supposed to be a joke. Very funny. Everyone's still ignoring Ginny. She doesn't think she can sit with Marcus. No idea what to do. Abby's completely alone too. They've iced Abby out, which I just have to say, I think is completely unfair. I mean, I think it's really ridiculous to ice Ginny out for like what? Sleeping with Marcus's Uh, for sleeping with Max's brother. Like, I think that's stupid, but whatever. But it's like, what did Abby do? She just didn't tell 
Max when she knew. And it's not like she knew the entire time. They're being unnecessarily mean to Abby. They've been friends since they were like children. And she does one wrong thing and Max is like, I'm icing her out and Nora's just on her side. There's a family portrait delivered to the mayor's office. Um, Georgia calls herself the mayoress. Nick is all mad at Georgia. He like figured out about her embezzling funds or whatever and he's like him and Georgia have tension this entire season there's workplace tension this entire season um Hunter is told to lend Ginny his notes from AP English super awkward because they are exes there's a books and bagels brunch at a fancy club the neighbor fancy neighborhood club that Georgia is trying to join she needs a sponsor so she goes to Cynthia um Bracia, who is one of Ginny's friends from season one who didn't get a ton of screen time season one is auditioning for the musical too there's a line about porcelain skin Bracia is black she's like there's no way I'm getting the lead she has a crush on a kid named Brian um they came they come up with a code name for him and I thought that was so funny in very high school although actually I mostly did that in middle school like once you get to high school you can't be calling somebody sprite or something so they don't know you're talking about them like just talk about them like an adult just not in public zion comes to pick jenny up for therapy i'm not a fan of how the therapy scenes are like i'm not generally i didn't enjoy the therapy scenes as somebody who's been in extensive therapy um i don't know maybe it's just not i i think it's like I understand that a therapy session is an hour and they're condensing that into like five minutes of the episode. Like I get that, but it's just like, I don't, the way the therapist talks to her and like approaches her and asks her questions, I was just not a fan of. I think Jenny needs dialectical behavioral therapy. I don't think she needs a talk therapist who is like, I sense that you are angry. To me, that is not helpful. Although I know therapists like that exist, but anyways... There is a very interesting moment in the in the therapy session when she's telling a story about the first time she got invited to somebody's birthday party. She had never been anywhere long enough. I think she was 11. Um, and she had ne- it was the first time she got invited to somebody's birthday party because she had never been somewhere long enough to make friends. She was so excited and Georgia moved them that night. Therapist literally says, sometimes when we're stressed, we use unhealthy behaviors to cope instead of healthy ones. And I'm like, that is not a, like, wow, okay, groundbreaking. If somebody said that to me at 16 when I was self-harming, I'd be like, yeah, I know that. Um, but how do I develop healthy coping mechanisms. Jesse is still looking into Georgia again. Austin finds out Zach's dad is sick. Zach is Cynthia's son and Austin and Zach previously had beef. Austin stabbed Zach with a pencil in season one. (laughs) Now they're besties. Not yet, but they become besties later. Ginny doesn't want to eat dinner, so Georgia throws out all their food. Ginny comes home with Zion, Georgia's like, where have you been? And she's like, I made dinner. And she's like, I'm not hungry. And she's like, okay, then you won't eat. And she's like, okay. And literally, instead of like letting that just be that, which I think is unhealthy, I think if your kid is mad, you shouldn't take away food from them. Like let them eat just at a different time. Um, I don't think punishments should ever be surrounding like basic necessities, like shelter, food, like anything like that. That's my personal opinion. I don't have kids, but I have been a child, you know, in my life. And I've been like a a child who has struggled like Ginny. Anyways, I really, but the thing is like, she doesn't even just do that. She's like, you don't get dinner. She literally, Georgia goes through the entire house and puts all of the food from the, the pantry 
the fridge into a garbage bag. So then the next morning, Ginny comes down and there's no food. And George is like, I threw it all away. I have a job, so I get to eat. If you want to eat, you get a job. I'm sorry. She is 16 years old. I am, like, I know that, that Georgia is mad at Ginny, but, like, what, what the fuck is up with that? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. This is not good parenting. I'm sorry. Like, you, this is not good parenting. Jesse, the private investigator, asks Georgia about Anthony Green, her first husband, and we get a flashback of her freaking out, saying she didn't mean to, um, and a biker gang is disposing of a body in season one we saw a flashback of her like poisoning him and putting something in his drink so it's interesting to see now the aftermath of her being like i didn't mean to we find out more about that later about what she means by i didn't mean to because i thought in the season one flash based off of the season one flashback that she killed him willingly or knowingly anyways Max and Sophie talk, and Max is super awkward like she always is. Bracia gets the lead, and Max is the evil witch. Brian, the guy who Bracia has a crush on, is the Duke in the play. Um, there's a scene of Bracia and Ginny like excitedly jumping up and down about her getting the lead, and there's a very similar st- scene of that in season one of Ginny and Max like being really happy in the hallway because Max got the lead. So it's interesting to see Max kind of not having Ginny to celebrate with now and Ginny celebrating that same kind of accomplishment, but with somebody else, you know. Ginny goes to Blue Farm and tries to get her job back. Blue Farm is Joe's restaurant. Joe is mad, but he gives her her job back because he needs the help. Cynthia is Georgia's sponsor for the fancy club thing, and she sabotages it. She's like, I do not endorse Georgia. So they don't give her an invitation, and Georgia's devastated about it. Joe has a date, and Ginny and and Padma are closing the restaurant. Padma used to date Marcus, who is Ginny's current boyfriend. It's very awkward. Paul talks to Ginny, trying to, you know, level with her and be like, I know that this is a lot, and, like, I know Austin's dad, like— committed credit card fraud in his name. Granted, Ginny had no idea about this credit card fraud. She freaks out after Paul leaves her room because she's like, obviously she puts together that Georgia was the one who committed the credit card fraud. So she looks up her credit score and it's like very poor. So she's like, fuck this shit. Ginny climbs into Marcus's window. She's all anxious. He tells a joke and cheers her up. And there's a portrait of of her Um, that he drew when she went to her dad's house, which is very sweet. She sees Max when she's leaving Marcus's room. She's not happy. Max isn't. The family portrait is now in their house. It's now at their house instead of the mayor's office. Ginny makes Paul a blue smoothie to freak Georgia out because a blue smoothie is how Georgia poisoned her ex-husband. She put wolfsbane in it and he drank it and had a heart attack and then got into a car accident and that's how Kenny died. So she does it as kind of a way to be like power, like I I know your secrets. So episode three is called, What Are You Playing At Little Girl? Jenny and Georgia fight about the smoothie, about everything. She looks through Georgia's purse and takes out one of the credit cards in Austin's name. There's a parent-teacher meeting at Austin's school and the teacher says that he's having trouble and that she thinks he has anxiety and that that and Georgia says he's fine. 
Um, they want to put him on on some kind of plan. She's like, he's fine. Ginny returns Hunter's notes. Max gets mad at him for even interacting with Ginny. What is up with Max? Not only, I, like, if you don't want to be friends with Ginny, okay, but you don't have the right to control who other people are friends with. And it's like, they're not even friends. He's just giving her notes because she missed school. Max is still hung up on Sophie. It's a big plot line for like way too many episodes. Like every time Max talks, she's like, I'm heartbroken over Sophie. It's like a get over it, girl. Peace and love to her. A kid is being mean to Austin and Zach defends him, which is really sweet. Now they're like, you know, friendly. There's a flashback of Georgia not fitting in with kids her own age. Um, they're shopping for prom, like these kids, and she like talks to them and then Ginny comes up and is like, mom, mom. So it's kind of like, you know, Georgia didn't fit in with people her age. We see therapy again. This is when the therapist says, I'm sensing that you're angry. I just don't like this therapist. The therapist gives her a journal um, to write down her feelings and also gives her a rubber band to kind of do that, like, you know rubber band technique to avoid self-harming but I have to say as somebody who's done that rubber band thing I don't personally think it's the best coping mechanism the one good thing I do have to say that I like is that the therapist gives her her phone number and is like you can call me anytime and she calls these tools to help Ginny and I'm like I guess the journaling is kind of helpful and the rubber band can be like semi-helpful but it's just like those aren't the most effective tools moving forward in my honest opinion but who am I not a licensed therapist that's who um Georgia is planning her wedding. Ginny buys Austin something with the credit card in his name, which I thought was hilarious. Georgia's like, how'd you get that? And she's like, she shows her the credit card and she's like, you can't do that. And she's like, well, if if you're like ruining his credit score, you might as well get something out of it. Georgia is never apologetic when she's confronted. She's just like upset, defensive. She's never like, I'm sorry, that was wrong of me. And I find that frustrating as a viewer. Like, it's not that hard to every once in a while just be like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. After the fight, we see Ginny using a rubber band instead of self-harming, snapping the rubber band on her wrist instead of self-harming. Marcus sneaks in and is like, are you, like, is like, you're not okay. I can tell you're not okay. She snaps at him. He walks away. She like gets mad at him and he's like, I'm not doing this, bye. And I'm like, I, I love that. That's great. He's like, I'm not going to engage. You're upset. This isn't about me. And he leaves, which I think is great. And then Jenny journals. Georgia finesses her way into the neighborhood club despite being rejected from it originally by stealing a book from the, she had stolen a rare book from the from the event earlier and she plants it on Cynthia's kid. And then Cynthia, like, and then points it out. And Cynthia is so apologetic and grateful that, that Georgia noticed it, that she endorses Georgia. So Georgia gets into it, any, gets into the club anyway. Abby comes into Blue Farm and it's super awkward. Bracia's cast photo is bad. The lighting was not the proper one for her skin tone, but they had the photographer had no idea what they're doing. Um, Sophie's on a date. Abby sees Max, Marcus, and their family are decorating the Christmas tree. I love that ASL is incorporated. They sign even when the dad is not actively engaged in the conversation, um, just so everybody's included. I really like that. Ellen tells Max just to get over Sophie. She's preaching to the choir. Thank you, Ellen. 
Um, and she's like, that would be like me telling you to just get over dad. And the dad's like, I don't really think that's the same thing. Zion and Georgia talk on the phone and she says that Zion might be one of her only friends, which is sad, but sweet. Um, Zion helps Bracia get a better cast photo since he is a photographer. They're all hanging out, like all of Max and Nora's friends and Preston is there. And I'm like, why are they friends with him? Like everything Preston says is horrendous. Why are they still friends with him? Same with Samantha. They have a very weird, questionable group of friends. Maybe it's just because I didn't really hang out with people who were I didn't like in high school, but that doesn't make sense to me. Ginny apologizes to Marcus about blowing up at her earlier, and he's super cool about it. He's sweet. I love him. He, like, does not take things to heart. He's like, you're upset. I'm going to walk away from this situation. She apologizes, and he doesn't, like, use that as leverage ever, being like, you were horrible to me. Um, he's just, he, he lets it roll off his back. I love that. I'm a big Marcus fan. Max is mean to Ginny and Marcus. Max ignores Abby, brushes her off when she's just trying to be nice. Abby literally goes up to, to Max and is like, I know that we're not talking, but I saw Sophie on a date and I just wanted to let you know. She's like, how dare you tell that to me? You're just trying to hurt me. Yada, yada, yada. I don't like Max at the beginning of this season. She's mean. She's just mean. Abby and Ginny skip class and go smoke weed. I have to say, I love their friendship there's a gay song playing during this scene and I love them I love them I'm like I want them to fall in love (laughs) Jeannie and Abby dye their hair and then they come back to school um and they get they get in trouble for skipping class Max is really sad about Sophie that's her main plot line mad mad at Jeannie and Abby sad about Sophie which I have to say it's annoying as a viewer because I'm like it's been forever since they broke up but it hasn't realistically been that long because it was just Thanksgiving and I think they broke up sometime after Halloween it hasn't been that long but as a viewer I'm like this is so last season get over it girl Padma and Ginny Ginny goes to work and she's high at work from smoking with Abby Padma and Ginny talk about Hunter and Marcus and Padma's really sweet. Like, I, I love Padma. And I'm, if I'm pronouncing her name wrong, I'm sorry. Ginny and Georgia fight. Don't remember about what. And probably just the general, you killed somebody fight. Ginny goes to Marcus in a panic after her fight with Georgia and ends up confiding in him about the fact that Georgia poisoned Kenny. Um, he's actually really nice about it. Like he doesn't have a big reaction. And she's like, why aren't you freaking out? And she's like, and he's like, like so chill. And she's like, like, what do you want me to do? Like freak out about it? This wasn't your fault. Like you didn't do this. I don't know. He's sweet. I like, I like, again, he just, he, he doesn't have a big reaction. He like takes in her panic. He, great, great guy. <laughs> great guy, Marcus. Big fan. Ginny and Georgia talk in the car about things. Georgia had like started having a panic attack and she went and sat in her car and Ginny like comes back from talking to Marcus and sits in the car with Georgia and they talk things out and and Georgia says, I'm not proud of how I got us here, but I'm proud I got us here. Basically being like, I didn't have anybody to protect me. I would literally kill for you. Like, don't you understand? She talks about how she met the Wellsbury kids and how giving Ginny that life was her goal. She saw at a rest stop, she, she met Joe and other kids from, and saw the other kids from Wellsbury. And she's like, they looked so happy. Although she doesn't mention that Joe was there, but she's like, I saw the kids from Wellsbury and they were so happy. And I, I worked as hard as I could to get you on that bus with them. And that that was her goal from then on. And everything she did was to get, give Jenny that life that she didn't get to have. And then she 
tells Ginny that Ginny can't tell anybody about about Kenny, which is kind of awkward. This is like the first time they really sit down and like fully have a conversation about everything. So I guess it's the first time she's like, you can't tell anybody because they hadn't really, really talked about it before. Um, but she she just told Marcus. So that's awkward. Um, episode four is called Happy My Birthday to You. It is Max and Marcus's birthday episode. Georgia sees Marcus sneaking into Ginny's room. Ginny and Marcus are hooking up and the Georgia knocks into the knocks on the door and then Marcus hides in the closet. And Georgia comes in and is like, Marcus, are you in the closet? And he comes out. They have a talk and they smoke together. Georgia talks about being damaged and um, how Ginny will leave when she sees her damage and Marcus's damage. This is um, interesting because I feel like it's the beginning of Georgia kind of projecting a lot of her own fears and her own, yeah, her own fears and insecurities and perceptions of a relationship onto Marcus and Ginny's relationship. Um, It's also interesting to me because Georgia is so afraid Ginny will leave when she sees her damage, but Georgia doesn't recognize or notice or see that Ginny herself is damaged in certain ways and struggling. I don't know if damaged is the right word. I'm just using Georgia's words, but Ginny also has cracks in the foundation of her life. You know, it's like, I I think Georgia views Ginny as so much more well-adjusted and like not traumatized compared to what Georgia has gone through that I don't think she recognizes or sees that Ginny herself has issues. Marcus promises Georgia that he won't hold Ginny back because Georgia's like, please don't hold him back. We then get a flashback of young Georgia struggling to pay the bills. A lot of the flashbacks, I don't know how necessary they are, but most of the flashbacks this season, I feel like besides the ones with Austin's dad, which we'll get to in later episodes, spoiler, Austin's dad makes an appearance in this season. Um, most of the flashbacks are just kind of showing what life was really like for young Ginny in Georgia. I feel like about how much she struggled with the Thanksgiving and having to work. And now this, I think a big theme in the flashbacks is how much worse things used to be and how hard their past was and kind of explains further. It gives more reason and explanation, all of that for why Georgia everything Georgia has overcome. I'm not making sense. Anyways, Ginny makes Marcus a shirt that says birthday, which is a nice little callback to season one where he was wearing a shirt that said Wednesday and she said it's Monday. And he said, you don't know the band Wednesday, but then actually he just, you know, anyways, it's a cute little thing. She says, you have a hard time. I remember like you have a hard time remembering the days of the week. I thought it was cute. Paul is moving in lots of boxes this episode. Ginny and Austin are supposed to stay at Zion's this Friday because Georgia is helping Paul move out the rest from his condo and they're staying at his condo like there that night. So they're supposed to stay with Zion. Georgia's throwing throwing and planning a party um, for the neighborhood club. She has to like throw one for her initiation or something. I don't really know. Um, Paul is struggling to find his place as a step parent. He kind of like doesn't know how to deal with like Marcus sneaking in and like asks Jenny about her curfew later. And like, he clearly like doesn't know what his role is. And it really reminded me of Gilmore Girls season two when Max Medina, him and Lorelai are engaged. And he's like, what's my role here? 
And she's like, Rory's already like, she's, she's raised. You don't have to raise her or anything. Like you don't have a role. While there are a lot of differences between Ginny and Georgia and Gilmore Girls and Lorelai and Rory's relationship, I think a very big similarity between Lorelai and Georgia is this like pride and insistence of doing everything yourself. It's Max and Marcus's birthday, 16th birthday now. Abby sets up a little banner. Max tears it down. Sophie wishes her a happy birthday. Ginny gives Marcus the shirt and he puts it on. Ginny and Abby skip class again. There's workplace drama with Georgia and Nick. I don't really care. I, I don't really care. Sorry. Um, the general like theme with the conflict is that Georgia kind of... Nick went to like an Ivy League and... Georgia kind of like steamrolls him a lot and he comes up with an idea and Georgia's like comes up with another idea and that like he she just steamrolls him a lot and I feel like she doesn't respect that he's like superior to her and he's she's engaged to Paul so what is she gonna what is he gonna do but he is bitter plus he knows that she tried to embezzle so um he's mad about that too like there's just a lot of conflict this season between them Hunter notices Ginny is gone from the English class, and I don't care about Hunter. Marcus is hanging out with Ginny and Abby. Um, They post about it on social media. We see scenes from the play, Bracia and her crush, Max and the costume girl named Silver. I don't really feel the vibe between them. I want another love interest for Max. I'm over the Sophie thing. I really liked her with Sophie. Um, but obviously I think that moment has passed, but I didn't really like Silver as a love interest. No hate to Silver. I just didn't find anything interesting about it. I found it, I found it not compelling. I, I don't care. I don't care about them and I want to, but I don't like it. Don't ship it. Maybe there wasn't enough airtime to them or like fleshing out of their story. I feel like most of their storyline was like them being flirty and then eventually like they kiss one time and it's like flirt. Like there was, it was a very slow build up. I just, I don't, I don't care about them together. Ginny goes to work and it's awkward with Padma because of Marcus. Again, poor Padma. It's just in the middle of shit all the time. Joe has a black eye, which is never explained. It's never explained now that I think about it and I've rewatched all of season two. Where did Joe get his black eye from? I like to think it was from a swan. If you know, you know. Joe says Ginny's outfit is very Hot Topic and they have no idea what he's talking about. And I think that's hilarious. Um, Fun story about Hot Topic. My mother, I have a baby Yoda stuffed animal that my mother bought me for my birthday. And the funny thing about that is that she ordered it from Hot Topic and then weeks went by and she forgot that she, she saw a card for she saw a charge for hot topic on her on her credit card or debit card I don't know and she was like well I didn't buy this and she had no idea she like so she canceled the card because she card because she thought it had been stolen or like the information had been stolen um and then once she had canceled the card she realized that the hot topic thing was the baby Yoda so um so sorry Monique for that if you're listening, love you. There are flirty vibes between Cynthia and Joe. Um, I don't really care. Cynthia and Georgia seem fine now. Cynthia and Georgia really go back and forth between like hating each other and liking each other this season. Um, yeah. Jane notices Joe staring at Georgia. 
she doesn't say anything, but but she picks it up. Georgia tries to mend fences with Ellen. She's like, I'm sorry about everything. Max is pissed about Marcus hanging out with Abby. Yawn, again, why does Max have a say in who people get to hang out with? Like, you are not the arbiter of people's social lives. Get over yourself. Paul and Georgia fight about the stepfather thing, just like the role, all of that. Georgia asks Jenny to be her maid of honor. Jenny says yes. And Georgia says to Jenny when they're talking, I just don't want to have messed you up too bad. I think a big theme with Georgia and a big reason maybe she doesn't fully see or allow herself to see the pain she's caused Jenny is because I think it would be too painful for her. After having such a hard childhood, I think, like a hard traumatizing childhood, I think it would be especially hard for her to acknowledge ways that she's traumatized Jenny and ways that she's fallen flat as a parent. But we'll get into that as the season goes on. I just found that really interesting. Jenny can't sleep. Um, She does a lot, including the rubber band and journaling. Her anxiety is really bad. Um, Yeah, the whole Kenny thing is really weighing on Ginny for most of the season. Nora talks to Abby and Ginny. Max is pissed. Nora literally just talks to Abby in the hallway. And Ginny's there. And like suddenly Max is like so mad at Nora. Like what's up with that? We see therapy again. Ginny says things are better. And the therapist is like, tell me about your mother. Out of nowhere. I... Don't get me wrong. I think that it is intri- like it, it is important to like a ther- for a therapist to be like examine the like. I just think that she should have been like, why have things been better? What is better about things now? Like I would have inquired into why things are good and how things can remain that way. Like if there's something she's been doing, if something's changed during her environment, like why are things good? And how can we ensure that she stays as stable and like happy and good? Like, is it the tools? Like she didn't inquire at all. And I know that the therapy again is like an hour long session that they're condensing into like short things of therapy, like in snippets, but I just don't like it. I I think the way that they condense it doesn't make sense. They are like little like peaks into therapy that they could show that don't completely feel like random and out of nowhere and I even think like the first therapy session where she talked about the birthday party story and Mackenzie's and like Mackenzie's birthday party and the moving right away and how after that that was the first time she self-harmed I feel like that was a good scene a good way to show like a tiny bit of the therapy session but something like this doesn't make sense to me why would Jenny be like I'm so good and then the therapist would be like tell me about your mother that doesn't seem like a natural transition to me Jenny is not staying with Zion on Friday even though she's supposed to Jenny lies to Zion and is like oh I'm staying with a friend mom knows Zion is dating someone her name is Simone Jesse is still interrogating Georgia about Anthony Green. Anthony Green was Georgia's first husband. He was the body that they were disposing of in the flashback a few episodes ago that Biker Gang was disposing of. Ginny goes to leave and Paul asks Ginny about her curfew and Georgia's like, I don't, I don't really know. Again, he has no idea what his role is. They're like trying to figure it out. Georgia and Georgia and Ellen are cool now, so she texts Ellen about Ginny going to see Marcus. So Ellen interrupts Marcus interrupts Marcus and Ginny. Max is now alone. 
she's completely alone. Nora has joined Abby and Ginny because Max was being ridiculous. Brody's basement flooded, so they don't have a place to have Max's birthday party. Max and Ginny fight in the hallway, and Ginny says, I feel like who I am and what I'm going through is just invisible to you. And I think that's so true. Something I loved from season one was when Max is all mad about Ginny and Marcus sleeping together. Marcus is like, Ginny is such a good friend to you. She has all this shit going on and you have no idea about it and you don't care about it. That to me was such a like great moment of Marcus's because I think it's so true. I think it's very true. So I, I appreciated this argument and kind of Ginny saying that to Max herself and being like, I'm going through all this stuff. And like, and she's like, I love you. Like you're mad at me, but I still love you. And then she says that she loves Marcus and suddenly Max feels differently about her and Marcus. She's like, you love him. That, that happened in friends too. When Ross found out that Chandler and Monica loved each other, suddenly that's fine. It's like, I don't understand why you'd be fine with them loving each other, but not with them like hooking up. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. They make up. And now the party is at Ginny's house because Ginny was going to throw Marcus a party. So Marcus is like, for my birthday, you can have, for your birthday, you can have my birthday um, to Max. So yeah, the party's now at Ginny's house. Paul and Georgia are having dinner at Blue Farm. And Paul's like, Georgia has, and Paul is like, Joe has a crush on you. <laughs> um, you don't know the half of it, Paul. You do not know the half of it. Max apologizes to everyone. Mang is back together. Bracia and her crush dance at the party. The costume girl Silver is there. It's just like the who's who of Wellsbury. Georgia finds out Ginny isn't at, Zion, isn't at Zion's because Zion calls and is like, I tried to reach Ginny, but she like won't get back to me. Is a PG-13 rating okay for Austin? And she's like, what do you mean you're trying to reach Ginny? And so she puts it together and she calls Ellen and is like, they tricked us. Hunter and Ginny talk um, at the party and I don't really care for Hunter, but it was a nice moment. He's like kind of admits that it wasn't all on on Ginny and they're like they meant they like talk about how they loved each other, but like whatever. And it's it's cute. It's sweet. It's a nice little closure moment that I appreciate. Ginny and Marcus talk about Ginny asks Marcus about like pet names for each other. And he's like, why are you doing this? I'm not leaving. Like, I think like, I can tell you think I'm leaving, but you, like, I'm not leaving. You don't have to, like, try to get me to stay. Although he does say that he's scared that he's damaged and that he's going to screw this up. Um, but that he wants, but that he loves her. And they decide to be officials through their boyfriend and girlfriend now. Georgia breaks up the party. Max is such a cute drunk. She's, like, sees her parents and she's, like, thank you for creating me. Like, she's just, she's, I, I, I know I've been shitting on Max with that. She's just so cute. Joe and Cynthia are like flirty vibes, whatever. I don't really care about them. Georgia is actually really happy about Ginny throwing a party um, because it means she's normal. And I think to her, she didn't, she didn't mess Ginny up too bad. She's still a normal 16-year-old, throws parties and has a boyfriend. And she's having experiences that Georgia herself didn't have. And so maybe she's not as messed up as Georgia worries she is. Ginny is freaking out 
like it's like the episode ends with Jenny. It's like at night and she's freaking out and she calls her therapist. Um, she like, she feels really guilty. There's voiceovers a lot in Jenny and Georgia. And there's like a voiceover about how guilty she feels about Kenny and all of that. And so she calls her therapist. Episode five is called Latkes are lit. So it's Hanukkah, which means to me that Max and Marcus are probably Sagittarius's, which I love. Um, and I think makes sense because I feel like if they were Scorpios, that wouldn't have made that much sense to me. Ginny feels like she's drowning, but no one can hear her scream. That is said in a voiceover. Again, lots of voiceovers. Kenny is like Voldemort, Voldemort in their house. They can't say his name. Mang is all talking about the way Mang is their group. Max, Abby, Nora, and Ginny. They call themselves Mang. Mang is having is talking about like the ways they were punished and Ginny's like I'm not grounded and they're like it must be so cool to have like your mom as your friend and Ginny says having your mom as your friend is not all it's cracked up to be and I think that's something that I really like about Ginny and Georgia is that it addresses like the flaws in the whole dynamic of of being like friends with your kid um because I think in Gilmore Girls their dynamic was unhealthy in a lot of ways and I just I don't feel like that's ever fully addressed in Gilmore Girls a ton and I I like that it's it's kind of more talked about in Ginny and Georgia because I and obviously Ginny and Georgia have a different dynamic there's a lot more tension to Ginny and Georgia's relationship beyond the lack of boundaries that that Georgia has because they're friends first Marcus and Ginny are official. There's more tension at work. Paul wants to make a difference. And Georgia brings up a canned food, or they bring up a canned food food drive that they do for the Women and Children's Center. And Georgia is like, when that's not what I would have wanted. I would have wanted tampons, money for gifts, et cetera, et cetera. So they decide to do a fundraiser, like a winter carnival. Um, Georgia's put in charge of social media, which is what she wanted. Paul checks with her and he's like, will this be too much? Like you're planning the wedding and you're like, you're planning the wedding and the neighborhood party thing, neighborhood club party. And she's like, for the women and children shelter, like I want to do this. And we have a flashback to them struggling to make ends meet once again. Ginny is behind in AP English. The teacher, like she missed something. So she's talking to the teacher and then the teacher says that he wants her to pick a book that covers the black American experience because a big conflict in season one was Ginny being upset that there was no black representation on their curriculum. Austin and Zach are friends now, which is super cute. Gracia and Brian, the guy who she has a crush on, are super flirty vibes. Um, they pick Secret Santa for the musical. Gracia and Max trade because Max originally got Brian. Um, so they trade so Gracia can have Brian. And then Max has Silver now, who's the costume girl who, again, I do not care about. Nick and Georgia have lunch and she apologizes to him about, you know, the embezzlement and such. Georgia notices Joe is acting weird. Yeah, because he's in love with you and he's mad about it. Um, He's trying to very much set boundaries and create distance between them. Although he's not saying that explicitly, which I understand can be hard for Georgia. Padma wrote a sad song about Marcus and very awkward when he comes in. Ginny's like, I think you should leave because Padma was singing like a very sad song about him like five minutes earlier. 
Blue Farm is hosting an open mic night. It was originally Padma's idea, and Joe says no, but he agrees to it so he can avoid catering Georgia's party for the neighborhood club. There's dinner at Zion's house, and Zion's mad at the English teacher about the book thing. The party for the neighborhood club is clue-themed. It's a clue-themed murder mystery party for the neighborhood club. Ginny is spiraling about Kenny and and all of that. Marcus is super great about it once again. She's like, she did it because of me. Like, I'm responsible. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not. Ginny says to Marcus that him and Padma should have a talk to get closure, which I understand why she would be pushing for it after her talk with Hunter. Because she can tell that Padma's still upset and she got that closure closure with Hunter. So she wants Marcus to give that to Padma. Georgia screws Ginny's window shut so Marcus can't keep climbing into her window. Zion wants to be in the loop. He like calls Georgia and he's like, you didn't tell me about her new boyfriend. You didn't tell me about anything. And Georgia sets up Zion and Paul to get a beer so they can coexist and like, you know, all of that. Nick is still mad at Georgia, even after the lunch that she had trying to, you know, mend fences with him. So she like writes him a nice little thing and asks him to be her groomsman. And he says, yes. Also, we find out he's a Leo, which makes sense. Max and Silver still flirty vibes or it's mostly Silver at this point. Max is just focused on Sophie. Like, Silver's, like, flirting with her. And Max is like, yeah, my ex is coming and I want blah, 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 blah. It's like, girl, move on. You're in your own way. Bracia is anxious about her ballad. Then Ginny is in therapy and she talks about her English teacher. And the therapist asks her if Georgia, if she can talk to Georgia about things. And Ginny says that her mom isn't really like the best at handling things. And she says, and I quote, when you're little and the boy pushes you and you scrape your knee, you run to mommy and you want her to hug you and tell you everything's going to be okay. You don't want mommy to cut the brakes on the boy's bike. And I felt like that was a very poignant example of like ways that Georgia thought she was protecting Ginny that just harmed her in the long run and made her not a safe place for Jenny to go and share her feelings because she's worried that Georgia is going to react in a way that just makes it worse for Jenny. It doesn't make it better, which is why she's not going to her about the English teacher or why she didn't feel safe talking to her about the self-harm or anything because the way Georgia reacts to things isn't helpful for Jenny. And the therapist says that Jenny deserves to be understood by her mom and I agree. I agree. Ginny asks Georgia why she wasn't punished. She is confused about why she wasn't punished. And she's kind of questioning Georgia's moral code. She's like, I did something wrong. When you do something wrong, you get punished. And I I think, yeah, I think it's just an example of, of Ginny feeling like her mom doesn't have a moral code. I think a lot of Ginny's anxieties about her mom killing somebody is Ginny is very critical and like of George's handling of things and her reaction to things. And she's confused and she's trying to understand it because she's like, not she doesn't understand why Gin, why George's instinct is to cut the brake off of a little boy's bike when he hurts her kid, to murder somebody when he 
You know, like I, I think Ginny is just struggling because it doesn't make sense to her. So she's questioning questioning George's moral code to try to understand George's perspective. But I don't know if she can. I don't know if she can because George's perspective and reactions are so they come from like her trauma and her trauma responses. Um, Ginny tells Georgia she can't go to the clue party and Georgia's sad about it, but she understands. Um, there's Hanukkah at Max's house. Georgia finds out about the book thing from Max because Max mentions the book and she's like, what book? And then Ginny's worried about, Ginny's worried that Georgia would do something. She's like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, I don't want you to do anything about it. Georgia gets all of Mang ungrounded by lying to their moms about them having written her handwritten apology notes for the party. Paul and Zion are at Blue Farm for the beer that Georgia arranged earlier, which is just funny because, you know, it's Zion, Paul, and Joe all in one room together. Very funny. They get along. Zion and Paul are like friends now, which I loved. Um, There's a party at at Marcus's house, or there's a party at Brody's house, which they can go to now because they're ungrounded. Marcus is there too. He hates it. He plays music with Hunter's band. Him and Hunter bonding. I mean, like, that's weird, but okay. Um, Brody makes a comment about Abby's weight, and like, I just, why, they all suck. Why are they friends with each other? Everybody's so mean to Abby. And we, in season one, we saw Abby struggling with her weight. Um, she like taped her legs and was wearing these jeans for like the sophomore sleepover and all her friends were mad because she wasn't wearing pajamas like they all agreed but Abby didn't want to take off her pants you know and she didn't want to take off her jeans and change into the things poor Abby is really going through it like that's a very consistent I think I said this in one in an episode recently but there's a very consistent thread of like Abby struggling with her weight but nobody ever talks about it or it's never like addressed so I hope they address it in season two because it's like been two seasons now of like little glimpses into Abby's like struggles without it being like truly fully addressed Ginny plays piano and Samantha, who is like in their friend group again, they have why they have like there's like Mang and then there's people who are like Mang adjacent, which is like Hunter, Padma, that whole band, Jordan, who is Nora's boyfriend, um, Brody, who like they always hang out at his house, Preston, who is the worst, and then Samantha, who's also the worst. Ginny is playing piano and Samantha asks how she learned to play piano if she grew up poor. Like, why are they friends with her? I literally hate Samantha. And Paul comes home and finds a gun. He fights, him and Georgia fight. He pops off about the statistics. He's like, this could get turned on you. Like, it's just defensive. Gun ownership is a lie, yada, yada, yada. He pops off. And she's like, statistically, the most dangerous place for a woman is in her own home. And it's like, that doesn't discredit, like, discredit what he just said about, uh, about defensive gun ownership being a lie. Like, it's more likely for you to get injured. Also, obviously, Georgia doesn't know about Ginny self-harming. But I just, I feel like you should never have a weapon. Like, you should never have a gun in a home with somebody who is depressed or self-harming. That's just my take. Anyways. There's a flashback to Georgia dating a rich guy who we find out is Gil. We find out later is Gil. Gil is Austin's dad. He seems sweet at first. I liked young Gil at first, you know. He comes in and 
finds out that Georgia has a kid, but he's like super sweet about it. He's like, let's order in. Like he seems like a good guy at first, but don't they always? Georgia is in Ginny's school um, and Ginny hears about it from Max and she freaks out because she knows Georgia is going to set Gideon up, her racist English teacher. And she's like panicked because this is the whole reason she didn't tell her. She doesn't want her mom setting Gideon up. She doesn't want her mom getting involved at all. Um, She stops her. That doesn't happen. But again, Georgia just like doesn't handle conflict and issues well or effectively. The clue party brings a lot of stuff up. Paul mentioned the gun. Jesse mentions poison. They're like, why did you think a murder mystery party was a good idea? Padma, it's open mic night at Blue Farm, um, which is happening the same night as the clue party. Padma sings the song that she was singing earlier. Um, It's about Marcus. It's beautiful. Um, Something I noted is Marcus claps in ASL, which is um, like you don't put your hands together. You put them like up and like shake. If you know what, what ASL clapping is, then you know what I'm talking about. But it's really sweet. And I think, I don't know, I like the little incorporations of like deaf culture and while Marcus and Max aren't deaf, they are CODAs. And that's, you know, that's a part of, of the deaf community in its own way. Joe does stand up because Cynthia is like sad about Padma's song. And she's like, I thought this would be fun. And so Joe does stand up to cheer her up. Yawn. I don't care about Joe and Cynthia. Sorry. Ginny reads um, a poem that she was writing earlier and Padma read some of. And she reads it out loud and it's awkward because Georgia walks in and it's about her and Kenny's death and guilt and not feeling understood and and honestly generational trauma. So yeah, no, it it's a very powerful poem, but Georgia is devastated because all she hears is my daughter thinks I'm a monster. Um Cynthia comes Cynthia and Joe kiss. Everybody's le- once everybody's left Blue Farm, they kiss. Um, she feels awkward about it and like leaves. I don't really care about them. Ginny apologizes to Georgia about the poem, and they have a like somewhat sweet moment where Georgia is like, "I can't believe someone like you came from someone like me," and it seems like she is like more like I I think I don't know. Her initial reaction wasn't like anger to Jenny, but that changes later. The episode ends with Gil going to see Austin. Gil is Austin's dad. He walks in, he's like I'm here to see Austin and Austin turns around and he says, "Dad, episode 6 is called a very a very merry Jenny and Georgia Christmas special. It is Christmas." Jenny is like in a great mood because she loves Christmas. Georgia is heartbroken and pissed about Jenny's poem. All she took from it was my daughter thinks I'm a monster she like doesn't want to get out of bed when she does get out of bed she's like wearing a blanket down to the dinner table Paul invites Austin to chop down a Christmas tree which is a family tradition of his that he wants Austin to be a part of now Georgia is anxious about Christmas Eve dinner with Paul's parents because they're coming over and Jenny says something about butter knives and Georgia's like, I don't have butter knives. And it's like, it's really, and Paul's like, it's really fine. And she's like, no, it has to be perfect. Jenny feels kind of bad that she broke her mother. So she, she quote unquote broke her mother. So she's trying to mend fences. She's like, we should go shopping for Christmas stuff, et cetera, et cetera. She says, I just don't want this to ruin Christmas. Bracia needs Jenny's help with her secret Santa, who she has the guy she has a crush on, Brandon. Half of Bracia's friends think that she should give him a hat, be safe. The other half think that they should give him that she should give him tickets to like a show so they can go together. 
Ginny was like, I'd normally say the hat, but I'm a sap for Christmas, so give him the tickets. Um, Ginny drops her therapy notebook and Marcus picks it up. The Winter Charity Carnival is this episode. Paul is mad at Georgia because she posted a photo of him in an undershirt um, and was like, come sit on the mayor's lap. And he feels like she's making a joke of him, you know. Gil does magic for Austin and Austin's class. And something I wrote is why is Gil just allowed in? Like he says, I am Austin's dad and he's allowed in. I don't, I feel like when somebody picks you up from a school like in an elementary school like you have to verify with their parents that that is somebody who can be picking them up like the kid doesn't have final say this is like the beginning of every svu episode you don't just let a kid leave or let a stranger into the school without verifying with their parents who have like registered them at that school first like that doesn't make any sense he's just there doing magic for the kids that doesn't make any sense. Anyways, Paul sees him as he's he's picking Austin up for the Christmas tree thing. Bracia gives Brandon the hat instead of the tickets for Secret Santa. Max gives Silver the costume girl notebook and pens to create her world because Silver talked about how she loves costume designing because she can create a world. Joe is sweet to Georgia. Um, I think he can tell that she's sad about the poem. Like, I think he saw how hurt she was by the poem and knew it was about her. And he kind of, like, lets down the the boundary and the wall that he's been built, like, that he's been, that he's had up with Georgia. He kind of lets that down a little bit and he's really nice to her and kind of like the same friendly Joe that he was in season one. There's a flash, there's a flashback of Christmas with young Gil and young Georgia and Gil spoiling them with gifts, um, also doing magic so we can put together that the guy in the flashback who wasn't named at that point is Gil, Austin's dad, which I had already kind of put that together, but, you know, that kind of confirms it. Ginny and Georgia visit Zion, and he's on a date with Simone. It's very awkward. Georgia, in, like, an awkward state of panic, invites simone and and zion and zion's entire family to christmas eve dinner austin is looking for presents in georgia's in georgia's closet but he finds a gun which georgia lied to paul and said she didn't have more than the one gun he found jesse goes up to georgia and is like i know there's more in your past etc every time jesse's on the screen he's basically threatening georgia i don't care um joe and Cynthia Cynthia, or awkward post-kiss, because Cynthia is still married. Her husband is dying, but she is married. So there, it's awkward between them. There's like a kissing booth thing where you like walk in and the other, and somebody else walks in and then you can like decide if you want to kiss. And Max sees Sophie walk into it. So she walks into it and Sophie's like, leave me alone. Marcus returns Ginny's therapy notebook and he decorated it for her he's like I didn't read it but I thought the outside should be just as beautiful as the inside very cute they say goodbye he's like going to his parents to like his um grandparents house for Christmas Ginny and Georgia talk and Ginny is basically like I don't think you heard the poem and I agree I think Georgia just heard the attack on her and she didn't hear how 
Ginny felt. She just heard my daughter thinks I'm a monster and like, and she like had tunnel vision on that, on like the negative things it said about her, not about the pain that Ginny was in. And honestly, the thing is, I un- I understand that as somebody who has like low self-esteem and I have this problem sometimes where when somebody says that I'm being selfish or somebody says something negative about me, it's hard for me to immediately apologize because it feels like an attack it feels like an attack and I kind of go into defense mode. So I understand where George is coming from, but you need to learn to recognize that and you need to, and I don't personally think that I would for like however many, like I'd be upset in the moment, but I would eventually be like apologetic to my child for hurting them. But I don't know. That's just me. Like I understand where George is coming from, but I also understand why it's so hurtful for Ginny to have shared that and for George's response to just be about her and her feelings and Ginny's perception of her. Ginny is hurt after the fight and she sees a lighter and relapses, um, which is very sad. Then we have Christmas Eve dinner with everybody. Paul's parents are there. Zion's parents are there. Everybody's there. Simone isn't though. Georgia has a very Lorelai moment where she's like, I got them here because Zion's mom is like, it, it didn't have to be that hard. Basically, Paul's parents are asking a lot of questions and Lynette is basically like, Georgia didn't go to college, yada, yada, yada. And Georgia's like, yeah, I, it's, it was hard, but I got them here. Look where we are. I got them here. And Lynette's like, it didn't have to be that hard. And Georgia walks away crying. And she does admit to Zion later when Zion talks to her that what kills her about that is that Lynette is right, that it, did, that it didn't have to be that hard, that she did have help. And I, I don't feel like that's something that Lorelai ever admitted. Um, but anyways, not that I think, I think the situations are different in that Georgia, it was mostly pride. Um, and she didn't want Jenny getting, getting taken away from her, but I think Lorelai would have run away and would have left her home. You know, she didn't have a kid. I, I don't think it was the same situation. And I understand why Lorelai didn't accept the help. So I understand how those are different. I'm just saying it, it was, it, it reminded me of that. Lynette, um, which is Zion's mom and Ginny talk. And she says, and I quote, I want to make sure, you know, you have family you can talk to about things your mom doesn't understand. And I, I liked that. That is how I feel like she should have, she should have approached stuff from the beginning about Georgia because Ginny's like, I, I know you hate mom. And she's like, I don't hate your mother. I, I just want you to know that there are people who understand certain things that your mom doesn't. And I just, I feel like if that was the way that it was conveyed to her from the beginning, it would have been better instead of like snarky comments about Georgia, because it's not inherently Georgia's fault that she's white and Ginny's black. Like, that's not her fault. Maybe she's not doing enough to like acknowledge that and recognize that. Georgia needs air um, after everything, and she goes to Blue Farm, which I just think is so sweet. She's like, I need air, and then she goes to Blue Farm. It's like, that's her soft place to land. It makes me happy. Joe says the enemy of happiness is wanting things, and that made me sad. And then, like, they have a very nice moment where I, I just, I loved this interaction between Joe and Georgia. She says, you know what I like about you, Joe? And he says, what do you like about me? And she says, I never feel like you're judging me. And it was just so sweet to me. It was so sweet. He is a soft place for her to land. He's a non-judgmental space for her. And I think that's beautiful. Whether they're, they end up together later or not, I just, I like them. 
I, I love their interactions. They make me happy. They hug and it's so sweet. Paul is waiting for Georgia with wine in a Christmas movie and they're fine now. Joe and Cynthia hook up. She like comes to Blue Farm after Georgia leaves Blue Farm and Joe and her have sex. I don't care. <laughs> it's Christmas morning. Austin does a magic trick and Georgia is like slightly confused and like her her antennae go up. She's like, hmm, that's weird. That's suspicious. Somebody rings the doorbell and Georgia opens the door and it's Gil. He comes in with presents. Georgia's upset about Gil being there. She starts having a panic attack. Um, Georgia picks up Ginny's notebook and reads it and finds out that Ginny's been self-harming and she calls Zion in a panic. And um, Zion, like, no, it's basically like, I know she's in therapy. And I have to say, I know a lot of people have talked about the scene of of Georgia talking to Ginny about the self-harm and all of that. And I have to say, I, I didn't personally like it. I wasn't a fan. In retrospect, having rewatched all of season two and picking up more on like, now that I'm talking about things on Georgia's like approach to conflict and Georgia's general approach to conflict and issues, I understand now why they wrote it this way. I just don't think it was a very effective or kind way to talk to your child about them harming themselves. She walks in to Ginny's room and she slams the lighter on the counter and she says show me she says show me like where and I just don't and she's like angry like she comes across angry she's like yelling at Ginny she's like show me like she's yelling and I just think as somebody who has struggled with self-harm if that is how my parents reacted it would not help me it would not it would not have helped me if that's how anybody reacted it wouldn't have helped me first i don't think going up to somebody and being like show me is really it is a great way to respond because i think on some level that's you implying that you need to see it to believe it where if somebody tells me that they're harming themselves i don't need to see the scars um i be, like it's just a weird first thing to say and the fact that she's like yelling and kind of angry at first is not I I didn't love it I don't think it's the kind of way that you should talk to somebody and tell them that you found out that they were self-harming and that you're concerned about them and that you're worried about them and that you're sad for them and you don't want them to do that I don't think that's the most effective way and I think what bothers me the most is I've seen so many people talking about how powerful that scene is and I haven't seen that many people saying that that wasn't the right way to handle that and I just don't think it was and it bothered me and I wanted to speak on it I, I was not a fan I don't think that is the right way to handle that. Um, I get that she's upset, but I think something that I think about a lot and I've written about before is that when you are the parent or the sibling of somebody who is mentally ill and struggling, that has an impact on you and that impact is valid. But when you are going to the person I'm not saying you can't communicate like the ways that they are harming you because, but I, I just, I think there is a way to acknowledge and there should be grace and space for the fact that while you, it might hurt you as a parent to see your child going through that, your child is the one who is actively in that and 
they're the one going through it and you shouldn't put the fact that it's hard on you on them because they feel enough guilt and shame about it already. And Ginny literally says, I I don't like this about myself. I'm trying to stop. And she's clearly saying like she's ashamed and she just, she shouldn't have to be ashamed. She shouldn't be ashamed. It shouldn't be a shameful thing. Obviously it's not like a great positive thing, but feeling ashamed for your negative coping mechanisms isn't an effective way to mitigate them to stop them. And I was just not the biggest fan of this scene. And I think it makes sense for Georgia's character. I'm not saying they should have written in a different way because I think Georgia being really soft, I don't think that would have been like super characteristic of Georgia. I think it was written well. I just wish more people talked about, it was a very emotional scene, but I don't think it was, I I don't think that that is how you handle finding out somebody's self-harming but that that is my perspective on it and everybody has the right to their own opinion I think you need to be delicate I think you need to be kind and I I, I think you need to not make it about you I think her going to to Ginny in the heat of the moment right as she finds out right when she's like super upset and crying to her is such a heavy burden to put on Ginny Ginny's already going through enough she doesn't have to on top of it worry about how that impacts her mother like I I don't know if that makes sense I just think as somebody who has struggled with that that is not the way I think it should be approached the one moment I like is when of of the scene is when Georgia is like I am sorry that I didn't see this I want you to give all your pain to me basically being like I will help you carry the burden I I did like that she's like give me all your pain she's basically being like you don't have to go through this alone I will carry your burden with you. I I liked that moment. Ginny says, I'm sorry I ruined Christmas. And I wrote, she's just like me for real. Because having a breakdown that, that you think ruins Christmas, so real. The episode ends with them hugging and holding each other while Silent Night plays. Um, and it was, it was a beautiful ending to the episode. But I just, sorry for going on a tangent about that episode seven is called let us serenade the shit out of you Ginny and georgia it opens with Ginny and georgia watching a movie um georgia's like you can stay at home she's being very motherly and soft and kind marcus is back from his grandparents georgia hasn't had there's an uh, like a voiceover where Ginny says that georgia hasn't had the luxury of being soft and that she sees vulnerability as a weakness georgia gets mad at zion about not telling her about Ginny. Ginny and Marcus are reunited and she fills him in on everything that happened on Christmas break. They in the at school the next day, they all fill each other in on what happened during the holidays. And Ginny finds out that Marcus lied about hanging out with his grandparents. He had said earlier, like that I that they just played a lot of Uno and Max is like, that's weird. He was in his room the entire time. So this is the beginning of um, Marcus's depression era. Max still hung up on Sophie. I don't care. Am I going to say this every episode? Marcus is not in, in school. Again, the beginning of his depression episode. Gil is trying to spend time with Austin and Georgia's upset. We don't really understand why Georgia's upset. We just know that she does not want them spending time together. She does not like Gil. Ellen is wedding planning. She like wants to throw Georgia bachelorette party. She's like, I don't really care about that. Gracia and her friends talk about Brian asking her to a game because of the hat. She gave him a hat as I said earlier, and um, that prompted him to be like, we should go to a game. Are you a Pats fan? I think it was the Patriots. Ginny presents her book in AP English. It's Sister Outsider. And 
she finds out that she will be leading the class discussion. So naturally she's upset about that because like not only did she have to pick a book just so her perspective could be represented in her class, but now she has to like do extra work that other people don't have to do. Gil comes to Austin's school and is like, I have hockey tickets. So Georgia concedes since they're in public and all. Gil takes Austin to a hockey game. There's a flashback of young Gil buying things for Georgia and confiding in her that he commits fraud at his company. And Georgia says, as young Georgia says, as hard as I try, I always end up right where I started. It's really sad and powerful how Georgia, Georgia, like she can't escape it. You know, she attracts danger. It is sad that she meets the stand-up guy who seems great on paper and he's great at first but he's a criminal he's still a criminal georgia's super anxious about austin so she's tracking them she gave austin a watch which she's using to track paul offers to help and she kind of turns him down Ginny has dinner with zion and simone simone is like a kick-ass lawyer we find out she's a criminal defense attorney and she says some really interesting stuff about like everybody about how her job isn't to judge people it's about to find reasons why they do the bad things if that makes sense and jenny's like yeah that makes sense um jenny talks about the leading the class and zion's like concerned as he should be Gil drops Austin off and Zion drops Ginny off at the same time and they cross paths and Zion does not like Gil literally Gil it's like super awkward Gil leaves and Paul is like we don't like him do we and Zion's like no we do not Georgia talks to Ginny and she's like isn't it weird that Zion and Simone are so serious like he just wanted to be with me and she's like you're getting married Georgia's like nobody's allowed to move on from me Georgia checks in on Ginny she's like are you okay like truly okay be honest with me and i thought that was sweet she never said that before jenny and marcus talk on the phone and i love them he's clearly depressed though he's skipping school he doesn't want to watch a movie with his family his dad comes in and is like we're gonna watch a movie do you want to join he's like no like he is depressed early signs these are warning signs silver and max still flirty vibes marcus the next day marcus is drunk at school Max says, where do you think we are, Euphoria? <laughs> and I thought that was funny. Georgia picks Ginny up from school um, and joins her therapy session. And I don't hate this therapy scene. Um, it's nice to have them kind of talk about their relationship in a way that does like that. It makes sense that they're hashing out their relationship narratively because it's in therapy. And I also think it's good to have like a third party there. And I wrote that it's valid that Georgia... Georgia's like, I didn't know how to be a mom. I was a child. And that's so valid that Georgia didn't know how to be a mom. And obviously she made mistakes. It's true that she came from a very traumatic situation and then was thrust into motherhood and then experienced trauma after trauma. And naturally, like naturally she made mistakes, but it's also valid that Ginny experienced trauma too. And that Georgia hurt her, even if she wasn't trying to. Jenny says, I know you did a lot for me, and I know it was hard, but until now, I've never lived in a town long enough to have a friend. I have my own experience too, mom. I need you to listen to me and know that what you do impacts me. She didn't say that. Like There were like gaps in between that, but those were the parts of what she says that I, I think were really impactful and important. 
Max takes care of Marcus when he's drunk. After therapy, Georgia tells Ginny that she knows that she's always viewed vulnerability as a weakness and that she taught her to be strong, but that she thinks Ginny's vulnerability is actually her superpower. And I really liked that moment. I think it was a beautiful way of her being like, the way that I have learned to cope and manage is not necessarily the way that you cope and manage and succeed and thrive in life. And I think it's beautiful um, that you're able to be vulnerable. Abby texts Ginny SOS Blue Farm. They go. Um, Abby like talks about her dad having a girlfriend. And Ginny gets it because Ginny also comes from a quote-unquote broken home. <laughs> so like they bond over divorced parents, all of that. Although Zion and... Georgia were never married, from my knowledge. I like the connection that Abby and Ginny have. I, yeah, I, I really like the fact that she has a friend who understands some part of her because I feel like a big issue with Ginny is not feeling understood. And I think it's nice that she can kind of be somebody who can be that person for Abby and maybe get that in return from Abby in a way that... She maybe can't from her other friends or from other people. Gil and Cynthia talk at Blue Farm and she offers him real estate help and he tells her about Georgia framing him. And then Cynthia mentions, she's like, I believe you. She mezzled funds from the mayor's office. So they're... <sighs> Anyways, Ginny stands up for herself in AP English. She decides to drop to class. She's like about to give the lesson plan and she's like, no, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. Why should I have to do all this extra work just so I can be represented? Like, I'm not doing this. And she walks out. She's like, I'm quitting this class. Max follows her and she's like, that was so badass. And Ginny's basically like, no, it wasn't. English is my favorite class. Like, I don't want to have to drop it. Um, and she's like, what do you want me to do? And Ginny's like, you see it. You see everything. Why do I have to be the one to say something? And Max apologizes. I thought that was nice. I think my biggest gripe with Max at the beginning of the season was her just being so mad about the ways Ginny has hurt her without acknowledging the ways that she was hurting other people or not being the best friend to other people. And I like that she is starting to realize that. Max is sad at rehearsals for the play because she's worried she's a bad friend and Silver comforts her. Um, Peace and love, Silver. You barely know Max. Why are you? She's like, you have a kind heart. I'm like, you do not know Max. Ginny throws Georgia a surprise bachelorette party at Blue Farm. There is a flashback to a birthday party of Ginny's with young Gil, Zion, and Georgia. Max apologizes to Ginny and says she'll be there for her more and acknowledges that sometimes she's a little self-centered. Georgia is super flirty vibes with Joe when she's drunk at her bachelorette party. Like, what is up with that? Shit or get off the pot. Stop messing with Joe. Anyways, the um, we see at the end of the night when Georgia's like cleaning her face, like taking off her makeup there. It's intercut with a, with young Georgia from the birthday party because she had face paint at Ginny's party and she's taking it off and under it is a black eye. And this is how we found find out that Gil was abusive and that her anxiety and her anxiety about Austin spending time with him and why she was tracking him and all of that is kind of validated. Episode eight is called Hark, Darkness Descends. Episodes eight and nine kind of tell the story of the same few days, just from different perspectives, but I'll get to that in a second. Marcus, it the episode starts with like 
a voiceover, but of Marcus. And he's talking about depression, being a familiar room. He's in his depression era. It's like his voiceover about how he's been there before, but he doesn't know how he'll get out of it. Like that, you know, when he's in it, he doesn't remember how to get out of it. Ginny's there and she's like going to be late for work. And she's like, are we hanging out Sunday? And he says, I can't, I'm writing a paper. Joe and Cynthia are flirty at Blue Farm Brunch. Preston wants to hook up with Abby. And Max says, you'd have to hate yourself to hook up with him. But little does she know that Abby does hate herself. So joke's on you, Max. Nora and Jordan's three-year anniversary is coming up. And he's bad at gift giving. Silver is hanging out with Marcus. Marcus is drinking. Silver is flirty with Max. Max is like, likes Silver, but she's also worried about Marcus because he's drinking and in his depressed era. Gil picks Austin up from Zach's. Because he had overheard earlier that Georgia was going to pick up Austin from Zach's. Cynthia is still helping Gil find a, re- like a, a place so he can move to Wellsbury. Padma finds Marcus drunk outside of Blue Farm as she's leaving work. Joe is worried about Marcus and asks why he's drunk and gives him water. And he says, I get that the, the um, high school is hard. Like, it's not the end of the world. And then there's a flashback of Joe in high school selling answer keys to tests, and he gets into a fight at the end of the flashback. Padma drives Marcus home, and he apologizes to her. They have a nice little talk. Abby hooks up with Preston. I hate him. Ginny is now in Curriculum 2 English, and um, Hunter says to Max, do you want to blow shit up about English? We'll see what they mean about that later. Paul wants his parents to talk to Georgia about the wedding. Simone and Zion talk about his past with Georgia. Max asks Marcus about Silver, and they have a really sweet conversation. Max says she doesn't want to get hurt, and Marcus is like, that's not you. You're emotionally fearless. When you're mad, we know. When you like somebody, they know. Like, don't let Sophie change you, and I loved that. She's like, so are you a love expert now that you're dating Jenny? He's like, hardly. I don't always think love is a good thing. Think I I don't know if I should be with anybody. And then he's like, it's not Jenny. I love Jenny. She makes me happy. She's the only thing that makes me happy. And that's the problem. No one person should be responsible for somebody's happiness. And the thing is, I have so much to say about this. Okay, so that's true. That is a lot of pressure to put on somebody or something. If If you are depressed... And there is one thing in your life that brings you joy and brings you happiness and brings you comfort. You should obviously try to not make that the only thing in your life that brings you joy. You should find joy in other things or other people um, or within yourself. But you shouldn't get rid of the one thing that makes you happy. You should just recognize in your mind that you can't put that pressure on somebody else. But like, I don't know if that makes sense. I just I don't think that that's a good enough reason to leave I don't know but I he's he's a teenager maybe anyways I'll, I'll I'm getting ahead of myself I just I don't think I if he's self-aware enough to be like she's the only thing that makes me happy and I don't want to put that all on her then I feel like he with therapy and maybe change of my medication could navigate being in the relationship I anyways there's a beautiful scene with Max and her dad where she's talking about being the evil witch in the play and how everybody's going to look at her and laugh. And the dad is like, everybody, like any pretty girl can be Snow White, but how many people can be dopey? And he says, you have a talent to make people feel like they have the permission to be silly. And I loved it. It was so sweet. Um, We see the school board meeting. 
Georgia speaks for truly what reason? Georgia, I like literally out of nowhere will be like, I have this idea and shout out to Paul for coming up with it. She's like, we're doing small business Saturday and the proceeds will go to the school. Shout out to Paul for coming up with it when she literally came up with that on the spot. Zion speaks to Gideon, um, Ginny's English teacher and finds out that Ginny dropped AP English. Georgia's like, upset about something and Zion doesn't know what and and Georgia's like I can take care of myself and then there's a flashback of Georgia and Zion with the gang and she shoots somebody and you know an example of her being able to take care of herself I guess was the point Joe doesn't like Gil Gil and Georgia are like having dinner at Blue Farm and and Joe is like concerned Cynthia says Joe shouldn't be with Georgia like Cynthia picks up that Joe likes Georgia and he's like you shouldn't be with her you're a good guy she would like you're a good guy she would ruin you right she doesn't say ruin but she's like you're a nice guy you shouldn't be with georgia and there's a flashback of joe framing the guy who punched him at the big at the in the previous flashback um uh, framing him for being the one who stole the answer keys so i guess it's supposed to imply that joe has a little bit of edge everyone in the ap english class starts talking about sister outsider instead of the assigned book the teacher's mad, you know, but they make a statement. Jesse bothers Ginny at work and literally like, what the fuck is up with that? He's like, I need to talk to you about your mom's late husband. Why would you as a, a, a supposed English, like a supposed chill, supposed like kindergarten teacher who's dating George's coworker be talking to her daughter at her place of like, to me, that is not keeping your cover very well. I don't know. He's a private investigator. He's not doing a great job keeping himself private. Why would you build a whole alter ego if you're just not going to like, I don't know. To me, it's just stupid. He literally goes up to him and he's like, I need to talk to you about your mother's late husband right in front of Joe. That's so stupid. So it's the night of the play. Jenny's mad at Marcus, but we have no idea why, because this episode is um, not told from Jenny's perspective. Joe and Cynthia, like there's a lot of gaps in this episode. And the first time I watched it, I didn't understand why until I watched episode nine. So Joe goes to Cynthia and he apologizes to her. Um, she's great about it. She's like, Joe, you have nothing to be sorry for. I needed this too. Preston feels tape on Abby's legs and is like, are you taping your legs? What the fuck? Dude, you've been making fun of her weight for two seasons now. I'm supposed to believe that you give a shit if she's taping her legs? Pack it up. Hate that man. Georgia is picking Austin up from Zach's and Austin is playing hide and seek and he sees he's like in the room where Tom is and he sees Georgia suffocating Cynthia's husband, Tom, and he dies. Austin is traumatized. We find out that Nor choked, but we don't know why yet. I'll get to it. Marcus and Ginny fight in the hallway and they break up. And um, it's very sad, again, because I, I just it doesn't feel that necessary. But maybe it was. He says, I don't have room for anyone else's pain. And honestly, that's fair. That's valid. Brian... Um, asks Bracia out and is like, I did the play for you. Max and Silver, the costume girl, kiss. Sophie stops Max after the play and asks if she wants to get coffee sometime since they have unresolved business. The episode ends with a similar shot as it started um, with Marcus on his bed and the cameras looking down from him. And he's back in his room, depression. He's back in the room. 
he de- he described depression as a room earlier about how when you're not in it it's hard to remember what it's like like it's the difference between remembering a room and walking into a room and so he talks about how he's in the room again but even in the room I love her he says about Ginny um and that made me sad that really made me sad all, all this is voiceover but he says that being loved takes work too Ugh, it makes me sad. I just, as somebody who has depression, it makes me, I'm just, it makes me sad. Anyways, Max come in, Max comes in to comfort Marcus and they hear a gunshot from across the street and that's how the episode ends. Episode nine is called Kill Gil. <laughs> this episode is, tells the story of, it, it like follows the same few days of episode eight, but from Ginny's perspective, I think... When I watched it the first time, I was like, oh, okay, this is like Ginny's perspective or filling in the gaps. But I think now, having watched all of it through, I think episode eight was kind of like from everybody except Ginny and Georgia's perspectives. Because even like there are scenes with Paul where we see Paul talking on the phone and he's looking at Georgia. But in episode nine, we see that same scene, but Georgia's looking at him. And there's a scene where Cynthia sees Gil being kind of intense to Georgia and in episode nine that's her seeing it but in episode nine we see it because it's from actually what happened in Ginny and Georgia's perspective experiences if that makes sense so episode nine begins with glimpses into violence Georgia's like slammed against a table things are shattering Georgia's holding a gun um and then then there's a text on the screen that says three days earlier. Ginny is late for work. It's the same shot from the beginning of episode eight of her being late to work and Marcus being like, I have to write an English paper. We see Gil and Georgia like arguing in the kitchen and there's a flashback of Georgia packing up to leave Austin and move to Oklahoma. Young Gil is a manipulative dick. He comes home and he's like, what is there for dinner? And she's like leftovers. And he's like leftovers. You're so lucky to have me. Nobody would put up with you. Hate that man. Jesse tells Georgia everything he knows about her. And she's like, you have nothing on me. If you could get me on anything, you wouldn't be telling me. Like you're telling me all of this to freak me out. But you wouldn't be if you could like get me on something. And she's so right about that. Ginny's at work. Um, Brian tells Ginny that he likes Bracia. And that he's going to ask her out after the dance, which we already saw. Georgia comes to pick Austin up from um, up, but Gil already did, which we saw again at the which we saw in episode eight, but we didn't see Georgia's perspective. Marcus is being weird. Ginny can tell Marcus is being weird. Um, we see curriculum to English now, which we didn't see in episode eight because again we weren't seeing Ginny's perspective, and it's a very big change from AP English because it's not just like the next, le- it's like the lowest level of English that she could take. And it's basically a joke. Like everybody's like on their phone, like nobody's taking it seriously. And she's really upset about it. Also, she finds out Marcus hasn't turned in his English paper, which was his excuse to not hang out with her. Um, so she is kind of like, that's weird. That's suspicious. Paul's parents are not excited about the wedding. We saw that phone call in episode eight from Paul's end, but now we see when Georgia comes in and talks to him about it. Nick talks to Georgia about Jesse and says that Jesse's acting weird and he's pulling away, probably because he's a liar. Um, hate him. Georgia asks Ginny to give her away at her wedding, 
just very sweet and like give a speech she's like not walking down the aisle just like give a speech and like give me away georgia tells Ginny about anthony green um i think everything with jesse really freaked her out so she wants to tell Ginny before anybody else does. She tells Ginny about Anthony Green, about how it was an accident, and she just wanted to knock him out for a few hours. And Georgia feels like a weight off her shoulders, and she's like, that's everything. Like, after therapy, we've been really good. Now I have no more skeletons in my closet. That's everything. And I have to say, Anth- like, d- killing people is wrong, obviously, but this Anthony Green guy was, like, her boss, and she was, like, 19 or something. Like, she was super young with a kid, and he was, like, creepy and, like, way older than her. I don't know. I'm not a fan of this Anthony Green guy. I don't really care that he died. Sorry. Karma. Whatever. Ginny goes across the street and to Marcus's house and hears a tiny part of the conversation we saw in episode eight between Marcus and Max, where he says that he doesn't think love is a good thing and that he doesn't know if he should be with anyone. And she leaves when he hears him say that. But he doesn't hear the part where he, where he says, I love her. She makes me happy. That's the problem. Like, she doesn't hear that. As soon as he says, I don't know if I should be with anyone, she leaves, which is so annoying. I hate when that happens in TV shows. Padma um, at Blue Farm, Padma said something about Marcus, which further causes Jenny to spiral. She's like, is everything good with you and Marcus? Because again, Marcus had in the car, I don't know if I mentioned this, but when she drove him home, and he apologized to her and they had a talk. He said something like, I don't know if I should be with anyone. So Ginny's like fully spiraling at this point. You know, the English paper, the conversation, this. Jordan bought Nora a ring. It's like her birthstone. And he put it in the milkshake. And that's why she choked, which we found out in episode eight that she choked. And that he had to give her the Heimlich. But we didn't know where. Although we never see her choking. Did she get to keep the ring? I have so many questions. Gil texts Georgia about the PI, which is what in episode eight, we saw her get a text at the school board meeting and be really anxious. And we didn't know what it was about. And we find out that it was Gil texting her about Jesse. Um, They go to Blue Farm and they talk about it, the dinner that we saw um, in episode eight, but we didn't actually see what was happening. And he basically threatens her. He's like, I'm not going to say anything because you're marrying into money now, which means I'm going to have access to money now. Anyways, he's the worst. Marcus still hasn't written his essay the next day in English, so he's just digging his grave with Ginny. Gil threatens Georgia at Austin school and Cynthia interrupts. It's again the scene that we saw Cynthia witness, but we didn't actually see the scene. We see um, the conversation between Jesse and Ginny from episode that started in episode eight, where he's like, I need to talk to you about your mom's late husband. He's like, it's about Anthony Green. And she's basically like, I know he's a missing person. Now that I think it's such a world of a difference, the way she reacts to this Jesse guy trying to get her to turn on her mom now that she like has heard it from her mom directly and it's not like this big like bombshell secret um and i think it just really goes to show you that if you communicate even if it's about murder it's the better decision she should have just told her but georgia doesn't know how to communicate live laugh love anyways um and something that bothered me is he says to her that if Georgia hurts somebody again, it'll be on Ginny. And it like obviously is no way of knowing, but it's like the guilt has been eating her life for months. Georgia goes to pick up Austin um, and we see Cynthia tell Georgia about 
hooking up with Joe. And Cynthia also talks about Tom's condition and how it's destroying her and it's gone on much longer. And she doesn't want Zach to see her dad in this way. She wants her, she wants Zach to remember his dad with the happy memories. Um, and Cynthia also tells Georgia that she blacklisted Gil from getting an apartment. And this is when Georgia kills Tom. But now that we see the whole story, I guess it's clear from Georgia's perspective that she did it because like out of kindness to Cynthia, like she wanted she could tell Cynthia was upset and in pain and suffering, and I think she wanted to do something to fix it and to help her. But it was obviously careless and the wrong thing to do on very many levels because as much as you think it, it I just it's not your decision to end somebody's life because they're suffering. Like that's not on like you don't you're not God. You can't just kill somebody, and it's just also dangerous and careless. Um, with her history and a private investigator literally trying to like frame her for something. But anyways, we see the end of Ginny and Marcus's breakup, but um, from her perspective, we see her run away and um, she's waiting for him at the, like at the corner. And she's like wanting, she's like, please follow me, please follow me. And he's like hesitating to follow her. And it gave me very much, Rory and Jess vibes where they got into a when they got into a fight and there's that scene where he is like walking to the door and walking back and walking to the door walking back and she's walking to the door and walking back you know what I'm talking about anyways Austin is shaken when they get back to the house because he just witnessed his mother murder somebody but obviously she doesn't know that he was hiding in the closet but he's shaken to his core Joe comes back or Joe comes to return Georgia's sunglasses. She like confronts him about Cynthia and they talk about the sunglasses and everything between them. She's like, do you know what these sunglasses are? And he's like, yeah, do you? And he's basically like, why'd you come here? Like, I tried to set up boundaries. I tried to keep distance between us. You're getting engaged and I don't want to mess with it. But like, do you have feelings for me? Did you ever think about this? And she's like, there's nothing I don't think of. But he's so right. Like that would fuck with my head so much if somebody... I met when I was a teenager who like I felt inspired me and like impacted me came back years later and moved to my town like I no wonder no wonder I get it my heart breaks for Joe my heart really does it's so sad and he's a good guy and he doesn't judge her I love Joe I love Joe I want them to be endgame anyways I have a theory or anyways I'll, I'll get to this later Ginny's heartbroken about Marcus and Georgia comforts her. Georgia walks down the stairs and um, Gil pops out from a corner and slams her into a table and there's like an altercation and like there's an altercation. Basically, he's like abusing her and Austin comes down and shoots Gil in the hands. Then Georgia grabs the gun from Austin and points it at Gil and is like, here's what we're going to do. Okay, you listen to me. And basically she just, she handles everything. She's like, you get, she's like, Austin, get the sewing kit. Ginny, get the bleach. We're going to clean this up. We're going to cover, we're going to stitch Gil's wound. We're going to cover the damage to the, like the gunshot. There's like a hole from the gunshot in the wall. They're going to cover that up. They're going to do everything. To cover because she doesn't want to have to call the police and be like an 11 year old shot somebody you know just anyways paul comes home and he and georgia talk about the school board meeting they're fine you know 
Um, he's like, we got to stick together in public, yada, yada, yada. Georgia goes to check on Austin and Ginny. And Austin says something about, because Ginny's like, we should call the police. Like, he was hurting you. And Austin's like, we can't do that. They put you in jail if you kill somebody. And Georgia's like, but you didn't kill anybody. And I'm like, yeah, but you did. Multiple people. Wouldn't you be like, oh, maybe my son knows about the multiple murders? No. That, that didn't cross your mind. We get a flashback to Georgia finding out that she's pregnant. And that's why she's not leaving Austin. And, you know, that's why Austin is born and named Austin. Because, again, they're named after where they were born. Georgia calls the wedding venue and cancels the wedding. Nick tells Jesse that Georgia was there when Cynthia's husband died. And Jesse calls the police. That's the episode of that's the end of episode nine. Episode 10 is called I'm No Cinderella. Max comforts Ginny about the breakup. Silver is still flirty with Max. I don't really care. Max tells Hunter they kissed now. Um, like they've kissed, but that's really it. Max tells Hunter about Ginny's breakup. English is awkward because Ginny sits right next to Marcus and they are broken up. Gil comes to Austin school and threatens Georgia. Very bold for somebody who literally just, like, abused the mother of his child in front of both of her children. Um, There's a flashback to young Georgia being abused by him. Ginny's sad at work and Joe comforts her, which is really sweet. Sophie and Max grab coffee at Blue Farm and... Sophie, Max finds out that Sophie's broken up and it's like, it's, it's weird of Sophie. Like two episodes ago, she was like, leave me alone. And now suddenly she's like being all friendly with Max and being like, I miss you just because she's single. And Max is like, I don't think we can be friends. Like it, it, it hurt me. It physically hurt me to see you with somebody else. Like it, it was too hard. And now I'm starting to like somebody and I don't, you know, so good for her. She's like, I don't think we should be friends. Austin and Ginny are acting weird at Zion's place, and he's like, what's up with you two? You're jumpy. Um, Trauma. Trauma is what's up with them. Anyways, Zion offers to pay for a college extension class since Ginny dropped AP English. There's a breakup montage of Ginny and Marcus looking through pictures, being all sad with I Miss You, I'm Sorry by Gracie Abrams playing. Um, Her new song, Amelie, came out today. You should all listen to it. I love Gracie Abrams. Max comes over to cheer Ginny up and tells Ginny that Marcus is depressed and she should go easy on him, that, like, it's not about her. (sighs) Ginny goes with Max to, like, you know, have fun, and Georgia's packing. There's a flashback of her framing Gil for, like, fraud and everything. Max, Mang is hanging out, and Max tells them about getting coffee with Sophie, and and they're like, why would you do that? And she's like, no, but it was good. I don't feel anything anymore. And I'm like, oh, thank God. It only took 10 episodes. But she's finally over Sophie, guys. Rejoice. Ginny realizes Georgia's about to bolt because Georgia was talking earlier about, like, going to some beautiful place with, like, sunsets or something. And Ginny's talking. She's, like, talking to her friends about how grateful she is and how she's never been somewhere long enough because they used to always move. And then she realizes Georgia's, like, the warning signs that Georgia wants to run away. Marcus goes to Brody's house looking for Ginny and him and Hunter talk and they bond and it's, like cool hunter is a good guy hunter has grown on me i i still don't want him to date jenny i don't think he and jenny are a match i think they're fundamentally incompatible um and i talked about it a lot in my jenny and georgia season one episode but i just i don't think they're compatible 
I don't think they should be together, but I'm glad that he is being less annoying this season. Padma and Hunter are like low-key flirty vibes, you know, and I like it. I think I would not be against that season three. Preston and Abby are hooking up in the bathroom and literally they're hooking up and he's calling her fat. Like, what the fuck is up? I hate this man. Abby, Nora like walks in on Abby hooking up with Preston and she's like, what the fuck is going on with you? And she's like, it's been a hard year and you did not help make it any better. Okay. You literally didn't talk to me. Like I know Max was mad at me, but why were you mad at me? And they like reconcile and it's really cute. Abby hears Samantha coughing in the bathroom and she's concerned because Abby herself is clearly struggling with an eating disorder and she can see the signs in Samantha. And she goes into the bathroom and turns on the water. So it's implied that she is engaging in her eating disorder, which is sad. Ginny calls the venue and finds out that Georgia canceled the wedding because again, she's onto her. She knows that, that this is Georgia's sign of running away. Georgia and Marcus talk because Georgia was at Ellen's house and she's like leaving. And um, as she's leaving the house, like she talks to Marcus and Marcus says, I didn't hold her back. And that made me really sad. And she says that she understands and it's very noble to walk away when you're hurting somebody. And I think, again, this is her projecting because she has decided to do this with Paul. She thinks she's going to hold him back. She is running to protect him. That's what she feels like she's doing in her head. And she understands Marcus. Georgia thanks Marcus for making Jenny feel safe. And that means a lot to her. He reveals that he knows about Kenny and the whole murder thing. Georgia comes home and Jenny confronts her about wanting to run. She's like, I know you canceled the wedding. I know this and that. And Georgia says she doesn't want to drag Paul down. Again, the parallels with Marcus, the projection with Marcus. Jenny tells Georgia to tell Paul everything, to be honest with him. And if he leaves, then he leaves. And Georgia confesses to Paul, not about the murder though. Like she confesses about like the crime, the fraud, um the pi all of that um tells him that gil is trying to blackmail her um and even tells him about the whole austin shooting gil incident paul leaves he's like he needs to get air we see a flashback of Ginny, georgia and austin blaring music and dancing um to block gil banging which is the same scene we saw in the first episode, I believe. Yeah, in episode one when Georgia was having a nightmare. But we see like the reality of that, that it was Gil knocking on the door, Gil banging on the door because he was mad that she framed him. Jenny goes to Marcus's house and apologizes to him for not noticing his depression and and for thinking that it was about her. She says that he was there for her when she needed him and then he wasn't and she felt that absence and she thought it was about her but really it was just him needing her she tells him that she overheard the conversation and uh, like that and so she freaked out and that's why like the whole breakup conversation even happened she gets it now and she gets that it wasn't about her and she says that she'll be there for him that he need that he'll be she'll be there for him as a friend and they like cuddle but it's like, it's very sweet. She says, you love me. And he says, I do love you. And she says, I love you. And he says, don't, I don't want that. Like he doesn't want her to be there for him, but she's like, I'm not leaving. Like you were there for me and I'm going to be there for you. And I thought it was really sweet. And whether they get back together is like, you know, 
to be determined, but it's nice that they can still be in each other's lives. I liked it. I like them together, okay? I am a Marcus and Ginny shipper. The next morning, Georgia gets a text from Paul to meet him at the office, and she's, like, freaked out. She walks in, and he's there with with a lawyer and a cop. She's like, are you here to arrest me? And he's like, please sit down. And then Gil comes in, and Paul stands up to him and is like, I don't want you near Georgia. I will sue for custody, and don't you ever talk to my stepson or my wife ever again. Like, he slays. He's a king. And when um, Gil leaves and everybody leaves and it's just Paul and Georgia, he's like, I, I'm still mad at you. Like, I'm still mad at you, and I, I, I was upset, and I thought, I can't marry her. Like, I can't marry you. Like, you know, but the thought of—he's like, but I, I couldn't not— be with you either. He's like, now that I love you, I can't imagine being with anybody for the rest of my life. And it's very sweet. And they kiss and they're still going to be together, which is so sweet. And I love that. Georgia goes back to the house and is like, Ginny, he still wants to marry me, but shit, there's no wedding. Cause I canceled the venue. And Ginny's like, don't worry, I'll figure it out. And she arranges last minute, the wedding, since the venue is canceled, she like figures everything out. She comes to pick Georgia up in a carriage with milkshake, the horse, Joe's horse milkshake, who he named inspired by young Georgia, because Georgia, when they met at a rest stop many moons ago said that she always wanted a horse she wanted a white horse named Milkshake. It was very, it was very sweet. Jesse reveals everything to Nick about him being a private investigator, about George's past, all of it. Nick's like, I hate you. Like, do you even like me? And that was a question I had. Like, is he even gay? Did he like him at all? Was it completely all fake? Because that's kind of fucked up. You don't have to date her co-worker i don't really know anyways the wedding is at town hall but it's actually like it's decorated really beautifully i like georgia's dress um they get married georgia gives a speech we find out that all the small small businesses that she helped um from small business saturday that was an idea of hers a few episodes ago at the of the school board meeting they all helped her so it was a smart decision for her that whole thing they all pulled through for her Marcus and Joe are waiting in the lobby of town hall, hesitating going into the wedding. And I wrote down this, they are each, that's the end game. Joe is end game and I'll, I'll get into my thoughts later. And then in, they, they're having their first dance and in a voiceover, Georgia says, nothing scares me like being happy. Happiness is the scariest thing to be. Once you're happy, you have so much more to lose. And like, damn, so true. I relate to that. Cops crash the wedding and arrest her for killing Tom. And I just have to say, this makes absolutely no sense. This Jesse guy called for a suspected murder. He called like maybe two days ago. They would interrogate her first. They don't have any like evidence unless they have like her fingerprints or something. But she could have just touched a pillow. They don't have any evidence. Unless Cynthia has cameras in her house, it just doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. How the fuck is she being arrested? Like, you don't just get arrested. You are brought in for questioning first. They don't just arrest you for murder. That doesn't make any sense. Anyways, they take Georgia away in a cop car, and Austin says, I didn't tell anyone. He's so, he's like so upset because he's like, but I didn't tell anybody. Why is she going to jail? heartbroken that's the end of season two okay so general thoughts about season two 
I love Ginny and Marcus, big Ginny and Marcus fan. Hunter has redeemed himself in my eyes. Max was a raging bitch for too long at the beginning of the season. Like, what the fuck was up with that? I like that Bracia's character is being integrated more in the plot. Love that. I think something that really bothers me, I came away from the ending the first time I watched it feeling very unsatisfied. And I do still feel unsatisfied about the ending. But now that I've watched the whole thing twice, I'm kind of just like, I don't know, I'm taking notes and everything. Like, I, I, not that I feel any differently about the ending, but now I'm not like wanting more Ginny and Georgia content right away but it does bother me that after everything that Ginny that the, after everything that Georgia has done and all the mistakes she's made that the thing that's going to get her in jail is like murdering somebody who is on life support I, that doesn't make any sense first of all it wouldn't like I get that they wanted to end the season on a cliffhanger but it's like you can't just arrest like I, I, they need to explain at the beginning of season three what the fuck is going on how did they arrest her? What do they have to charge her on? Like, if they brought her in for questioning, maybe. But, like, they arrested her. It was urgent enough that they did it at her wedding. At town hall. To the mayor. Doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. I'm hopeful for Ginny and Georgia's relationship in season three. Now that they've been to therapy and Georgia kind of, I feel like, is starting to see and try to understand at least Ginny's perspective and Ginny's struggles. I love that. I think, my sister said this, this is not an original thought, but when we were watching season two together, she was like, I think Paul is going to die and it's not going to be George's fault. And it's going to be the first time that she was like in a happy relationship and like her husband died and it actually wasn't her fault. And she's like devastated about it. And then eventually maybe her and Joe will end up together. And I think that's a good prediction. And I, I think that would be really compelling to have somebody who she's that close to. Now I don't know how it's going to work because my sister said this before we watched the finale, but I feel like that would be very compelling if somebody who she's that close to dies and this time it's not her fault at all. Like just to have somebody like, you know, for her to experience loss without it being her fault and then her navigating that. I do think her and Joe, I don't know if they're endgame, but I feel like they will at least get together at some point. Um, But I just, I don't, feel like that's super possible with Paul. The thing is, I love her and Paul. Paul is such a great partner to her, and I'm not against Paul at all. It's very hard for me. I like all of George's love interests, actually. Zion's great, too, although I don't know if they should be together. Just because I feel like when it's like you're the father of your child, you need to be especially wary. So I just, I'm, I'm not super into them, but I like all of them as, like, characters. I really hope that it's kind of like a cop-out, and season three starts and they have nothing on her and she doesn't go to jail like that's what I want them being like what do you have to arrest her on or something like that so anyways that was my deep dive recap review of Ginny and Georgia season two this episode is going to be very long so it might be out a couple days later it's literally 1 27 a.m friday and I normally post on noon friday so I don't have a ton of time but to edit this and go to sleep at a reasonable hour but Hopefully I will. We'll see. I'll see how far I get in the editing before I call it a night. But 
If this episode's out a little bit later than normal, that's why, because it was longer than normal. But if you enjoyed this episode, um, please make sure to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out any of my other episodes if this is the first one you're hearing from me. Um, follow my social media so you can get any updates, etc., etc. Um, thank you so much. It means so much to me. I love this podcast. I put so much prep into this. So hopefully it doesn't flop. But even if it does, it was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you have a great week and you will hear from me next Friday, hopefully, tentatively. Fingers crossed. Bye.